This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to share something that is uh, not that it's a not fully thought out idea, but it's something that I really am still in the process of digesting and figuring out and allowing God to work in my heart about. So for the past probably two weeks, I've been thinking about what Jesus said in the Great Commission. And so this is from Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now that particular line that jumped out at me is from the end of this uh, great commission when he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I started thinking about Jesus sent his disciples and said, go teach everybody what I told you, what I taught you. And I realized that I spend a lot of time um, generally thinking about some of the things that Jesus taught, generally thinking about some of the uh, Old Testament stories, some of the things from the epistles, from Paul's letters, from you know, other parts of the New Testament. But what Jesus is saying here to his disciples is go teach them to obey everything that I commanded you. And I don't think what he's trying to communicate there is to the exclusion of the rest of the revelation of God that we have in Scripture. But I do think he's communicating, hey, when I was here on earth, I highlighted some things. I taught you some commands that really need to be the, the not the goalposts, but kind of the boundaries that you live life inside of. And so what I started doing is reading through Uh, the book of John. And I was thinking, okay, Jesus is saying, go and teach everything that I've commanded you. So I want to read through just the gospels and take a look at what are the things that Jesus was commanding them? What are the ways that he lived his life and that he um, met expectations and the ways that he completely didn't meet expectations? What are some things that are maybe assumptions that I have about what it means to follow Jesus that are based less on what Jesus had to say and what Jesus did and more on um, 
you know, some practices, some ideas that have been developed over 2,000 years of church history. And so I was reading through, and one passage that I read, I was looking into it in a commentary, and that led me to a different passage in Luke. And I want to read that. uh, I think it's five verses, six verses here. This is from Luke 13, starting in verse 31. Jesus had just been teaching, and uh, after, or, you know, as he's kind of wrapping that up, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Now I want to stop there. I'm going to read the next couple verses, but I want to stop there for a moment because what Jesus says here, and it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, saying surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. what he's doing there. And and I've talked about Jerusalem before. This is the place where the temple exists on earth, a place where God dwells, the one spot in the world where he has set up exactly where and when and how you come and offer sacrifices where in the Holy of Holies, this far end of the temple, things are overlaid in gold and there's incense burning in there and everything in that space is intended to remind you that you're entering into an otherworldly spot. That's what the word holy is is getting at. We've kind of lost a lot of the idea behind holy is something that is completely separate, something that is completely devoted to God. And the holy of holies is this place where the Ark of the Covenant is in this room. And this is the place where God dwells among his people. The high priest can only enter one day a year after going through ceremonies of purification and sacrifice and he enters in one day a year on behalf of the people this is in jerusalem and when jesus talks about jerusalem it's kind of a a shorthand to include these ideas because this is the religious capital of a place that is governed and ruled by God. Now, in practice, sometimes that doesn't play out. But this is what Jesus is talking about. And he says, no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. 
How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now that he's kind of alluding to Palm Sunday when he makes his his entrance into Jerusalem and they, he's greeted like a returning champion. But what he's doing here is he's saying, hey, I know that you don't get what I'm here for. I know that you don't get what I'm doing. And I want you to think for a moment because when Jesus was crucified, what happened leading up to that crucifixion is um, the public opinion through the form of this crowd that was shouting that they wanted Barabbas freed instead of Jesus, a political power as it was signed off on for, um, you know, Roman authority to carry out his execution, crucifixion, and religious leadership who were part of turning him over to the political authority who had the actual ability in that time to put someone to death. All three of those, public opinion, political leadership, religious leadership, was aligned against Jesus. And I'm pausing there on purpose, not because I'm trying to think of the next thing to say, but because if we miss that, And if we think, man, those people in Jerusalem were really messed up, weren't they? I can't believe they missed things so bad. Um, We're missing, I think, a big part of Jesus' critique of what structure, of what needing to have absolute answers you know, I'm, I'm struck by when he told his disciples, he said, go into all the world and make disciples, preach the gospel, teach them about what I've commanded you. Um, the way we've carried it out, you would think that Jesus said, go into all the world and be right about things. <laughs> because... You know, I've got books on my bookshelf in my office that are, you know, I'm holding up my fingers. I'm terrible at guessing measurements, but I bet you they're three inches thick that are called uh, an introduction to systematic theology, which (laughs) which is uh, systematic theology is going through and trying to figure out, okay, if this is true about God, and if this is true about God, then this, 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 all these things must be true too. And so, you know, not to be down on theology, because obviously that's hugely important, but to turn it into sort of a math problem. And I think 
that this is at least in part what Jesus was addressing here. That, you know what? All of you who are gathered at this, the religious pinnacle of the world, the temple, you're gathered there and you've got all your T's crossed and your I's dotted. You've got your, uh, you've got your answers for everything. But what you end up doing is killing the prophets. What you end up doing is going after the people who God is sending to bring hope and healing and life and resurrection. And Jesus uses this little analogy, which it, it really doesn't kind of make sense at the beginning when he's told, hey, Herod's going to try to kill you. He calls Herod a fox. And then a couple verses go by and you're like, okay, I guess a fox is just a, you know, a big slam for someone that's cunning or tricky or, you know, has ulterior motives. But then a few verses later, when Jesus is talking about Jerusalem, he says, how I've longed to gather you under my wings like a hen does with her little baby chicks, but you weren't willing. Now, what he's doing there is he's completing this. Um, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't learn a whole lot of these words. So I don't know if it's analogy. I think it is, um, or allegory, who knows, but it's one of those things. He's telling this idea that if Herod is the fox, he's the mother hen. And he wants to gather and protect the people. And so what he does is he uses this illustration of I'm trying to do this, but you're not willing. I want you to think about something for a moment. And this was an idea that I heard in a, Annalise and I were visiting a, a church that we were, you know, trying to find Right now we go to a church that's pretty far away. That's about 40 minutes away and we love it. It's our place. It's just a spot we grow and we learn. But we're also trying to be part of a community and going, okay, realistically, we're not going to go to small group on a Wednesday night, 45 minute drive away after working all day. So, you know, what do we do? And so we're visiting some local places that were within five minutes of us. And one of these places that we visited, um, the pastor shared that what Jesus is talking about here, that um, a mother hen protecting her chicks against a fox, the only defense that this hen has is to get the chicks up under her and to cover over them with her body. That way when the fox attacks, it will kill the mother hen. But maybe, maybe eating the mother hen will do enough to satisfy the hunger of this fox that maybe 
the baby chicks can live. I don't know how that's striking you as you're hearing that, but as I'm sharing that idea, I have chills to think about Jesus saying, this is what I'm willing, this is what I want to do, but you were not willing. And what he shares here in this passage, now we know the rest of the story, right? We know that Jesus didn't just say, hey, I would I would love to gather you under my wings and, and sacrifice my life so that you can have a chance. He didn't just say that. We know what ultimately happens in his story. He did lay down his life. He did um, offer to live out this role of this mother hen to offer his life in order to buy back the lives, in order to um, allow for life and healing and redemption and restoration. And he did that knowing full well that in the moment, as he was arrested and betrayed and tried and ultimately executed, murdered, crucified, um, that he was, if you would have asked public opinion, religious leadership, or political leadership, that he was in the wrong. Now that's a pretty heavy and pretty stunning condemnation of what can happen when we kind of get caught up in the flow of not what God is doing, but what people think, what the religious leaders, the political leaders, public opinion says. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to kind of digest what this means and what this looks like. But what it's really reminded me of is the importance of reading through uh, the, the life and story and words of Jesus and take a look and go, okay, 2,000 years ago, they got him wrong. They were, they didn't understand him. They didn't, they heard what he said and it was too hard. It was too much sacrifice. It was too much outside of whatever category they could put it in. And so they said, no. What ways am I doing that? What ways is the culture that we live in doing that? What ways are our thoughts on who God is and what he's up to out of alignment with what we know from his word, from Jesus's life, um, doesn't line up with who he is, with what he's all about, with what he did and what he taught 
and how he lived. And I want to encourage you to, instead of getting your take on Jesus from public opinion or um, only from religious leaders or from political leaders, I want to encourage you to join me in reading about Jesus from the Gospels as he lived his life. What did he do? What did he say? What did he not do? What did he not say? Who did he spend his time around? What seemed to be priorities of his that don't seem to be priorities of mine? And where things are out of alignment, where we've, um, where we've missed the boat, where we've been part of, you know, kind of what Jesus is talking about here, Jerusalem, the culture that has built up around the idea of following God, uh, but maybe are missing some things about what he actually wants to do. So I want to invite you. And maybe as you're hearing me talk about that, that's a scary or upsetting or offensive idea. Um, That's okay. I just want to encourage you. I'm not trying to tell you, hey, here's my answer and I know what, how you should be thinking and what you should be believing and what you should be doing. I'm saying let's go to Jesus. Let's look at his life look at his teaching, look at his living and find out, hey, is, is what I'm prioritizing, is what I'm doing, is what I'm saying, does it line up with what Jesus was all about? Or are there some things where I need to make some changes? Um, spoiler alert, there are, <laughs> there are some things where we all need to make some changes in order to be more and more in alignment with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, um, join me. Let's take a look for ourselves. Read through. I started in John. You can start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It doesn't matter. Take a look through and see what was Jesus all about and what are some I don't know the way to say this, but some Jerusalem-based ideas that I've built my faith and my life on that maybe I need to hear Jesus more clearly and kind of let some of the things that public opinion and uh, religious leadership and political leadership has tried to convince me matters to God and let me hear straight from him on where my priorities should be. So I want to encourage you, join with me, read through one of the gospels and get a clear look at who Jesus was, how he lived and where that's out of alignment with your life and with my life, let's make some changes.